Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. And I'm Chris Heine. And this week we've got part two of Japan Diaries. If you were around for last week, you'll probably have noticed that we went on a crazy adventure to, what would you say, the southern part of Japan? Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. Just the normal part of Japan. <laughs> somewhere in Japan. We went somewhere in Japan and we had uh, crazy excursions. Um, this week we're going to going to share all of the things that we did, including some harrowing situations, some crazy stuff, some ridiculous stuff, and everything in between. But before we do that, we have a couple events coming up at Light Gray that you should be aware of. Uh, the first one is Chris's favorite. Another game night. We're going to have a game night on April 21st. Again, that's a Thursday, 6.30 to about 9.30 p.m. The theme is growth. Specifically, we're going to be growing farms cities, empires, anything where we're building up instead of taking away. That sounds quite epic. Yeah, well, the farming one is quite quaint, but we'll oh, see. Oh, quaint. Okay, all right. That's fine, too. And then we have uh, a couple things that you can come say hi to us at. Um, so the weekend of April 29th and 30th, we actually have two things. So, Chris, where will you be? I'll be at GlitchCon in Minneapolis. Yeah, it's at the McNamara Center, I believe, and again, it's Friday the 29th and Saturday the 30th, and I'll be doing a talk, I'll be running some board game things, and we'll have some video games at the um, Minicade um, video game showcase. So what exactly is GlitchCon for anybody that hasn't been there before? Uh, it's kind of a video game convention, or it's more of a symposium, I, I would say, where uh, it's it's more of a learning event, so it's less like here's the hot new releases, and it's more like um, uh, lectures and and talks by sound engineers, video game programmers, um, people like me who just are in charge of putting together projects and things like that. Um, and there is the showcase of Minnesota made indie games, um, which we're taking part of in on Friday night. That's awesome. And then of course anybody that is into some of the crazy other side of things that we do at Light Gray. I'm going to be at Reader's, Reader's Studio and that is a tarot card convention. So all the tarot readers are joining forces to come to New York. Um, so I'm actually going to be over there at Reader's Studio um, participating in a lot of fun stuff. If you are going to be there for some reason, you should send me an email. Let me know that you're going to be there and we can meet up and say hi and read tarot for each other. But um, that'll be a lot of fun. That is a couple days here. It is the, I believe, 28th through the 1st that I'm going to be over there, so quite a while. But yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, so if you're in New York um, and you want to say hi or you want to get a late-night coffee uh, or late-night tarot reading, I'm definitely going to be over there for that amount of time. So, yes. We also have some calls for art coming up pretty soon. I know I say that every single time, so just <laughs> bear with me on that one. But we will have some very shortly that are going to be pretty interesting. I think you guys will really like them, so keep an eye out for that. And then, um, yeah, definitely come and check out the Botanica show. Uh, this past Friday, we had an awesome opening. of uh, Like 125 artists did different pieces based on uh, earth mythology and origin stories, uh, botanicals, nature, and otherwise. And so if you haven't seen it, uh, come on over to Light Gray when you can. Um, or check it out online. There's a lot of great artwork there. And so it's really beautiful stuff. And thanks to everybody that was able to make it out. And thanks to all the artists for participating. It looks fantastic. So that'll be up for a while here. You have lots of chances to come and see it. And then, um, yeah, I guess just keep 
posted uh, and you'll find all the other cool stuff very shortly. So without further ado, here is Japan Diaries Part 2. Today's March 15th and we are super tired. Uh, we just had the world's longest trek up a mountain all the way up to Mike and Ruth's house, but preceding that, we had quite an adventure today. We ended up actually starting way, 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 way early today um, at a at a coffee house. Uh, and before we tell you the rest of what actually happened today, let me just say that I am so impressed by the what what's the word that you would call that coffee house? Fanciness? Yeah, it's fancy. The fanciness of the coffee houses around here. I guess more than impressed, I'm surprised a little bit only because I last time I was here I did not drink coffee and things like that. But the coffee houses here are very European and kind of like fancy doily tea e. They're very doily e and yeah, tea e. They're very yeah, they're I feel like they're very English in their presentation. Is that what that is? I was wondering what that was. Well, everything has like an overstuffed chair and and panels on the walls that are, you know, and then like brass fixtures and and the cups are always like those little tea cups with like an actual like fancy like china like Downton yeah. Abbey style, yeah. It's really really incredible. I mean, I feel like I should have been wearing some sort of fancy outfit, but instead, of course, like always, I'm wearing some weird traveler's outfit. Um, like a waterproof garb. Like Wesley? Uh, Wesley? Like Wesley Crusher? Yeah, he's the traveler. Oh, yes. For anybody that caught that reference, <laughs> you are now our best friend. But yes, I looked exactly like Wesley Crusher today, and that made my coffee experience even better. Um, but we are starting to learn some of the words here, especially words like I'm sorry or excuse me, um, because we tend to bumble into places and see... Um, that we are occasionally uh, a little unprepared or possibly looking tiny bit out of place with our massive backpacks. But I did really, really like that coffee. The cappuccinos are super good here. But I think, you know, one thing I'm surprised by is that the coffees are expensive. They are. They're also sweet. Well, yeah, I guess a lot they are of really the sweet. coffees, I mean, you, it's hard to get, like, just black coffee. It always has, like... It's like a fancy thing with, like... It's got, like, nutmeg and sweeties... In it. <laughs> Sweeties. All right. Well, it was it was pretty cool. We ended up having coffee with Mike's because he was gonna give us some um, insider pro tips about um, where we were today. So, where were we, Chris? Kobe. Yeah, we're in Kobe. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so Kobe is interesting because it's actually really close. On one side, you can see. Um, all the way over to the ocean, and the other side you kind of look up a mountain, so it's actually pretty, pretty hilly over there. Um, it's it's a new place that we we were like we should definitely go there, and of course in our city guides and stuff, we ended up having kind of a, um, a couple places that they told us to go uh, that were mentioned, but I think we just scrapped all that, put the put the city guide back in our backpack, and just wandered the streets for well, a while. What really distracted us was a small detour to Tokyo Hands. Tokyo Hands, yeah, uh, it's a interesting um, what six seven level. Uh, department store? Well, it was described Mike was going to Tokyo Hands, which is why he accompanied us out there, and he said, you can find anything there. 
And he was right. And yeah. then I did find a lot of things. There. And then we're like, eh, we'll just look at it since we're here. And then we spent the next like three hours there. <laughs> well, it was hard not to be excited by stuff. And I think like, you know, coming from uh, Minneapolis is interesting because you see like little bits and pieces make its way over here into gift shops, really unique things. But you go there and all of a sudden you see every single bento box that you could ever imagine in your entire life and every single teacup that you could ever imagine every single piece of stationery and sticker and puffy cat like item you, yeah it was just the coolest and of course like you can't just sit there and be like yep there they all are you got to sit and inspect them for their good quality and craftsmanship which is exactly what i did for three hours so i think i chris is like oh you should probably not buy anything because we're gonna be hiking around all day and i was like oh it'll be fine and then then i ended up buying 40 pounds of stationery yeah which i carried with me for the rest of my life today but it was really cool it was definitely a, a neat place and i think i fell in love with some of the appliances i've never seen such a cute blender either yeah they have like <laughs> you were trying to buy everything you yeah know, well i wanted like, to take a teapot, toaster of this home. blender and yeah like don't buy that well, it's know. A, you know, and you think about it for a second, you're like, when am I ever coming back? And that's the thought that you think every time you see something new and exciting and you go, oh man, I got to put this on the credit card. But then I also have to carry this toaster oven with me for like forever. Yeah. Somehow well, get it through customs, you know, but I did not buy a toaster oven. Instead, I just bought my 40 pounds of stationery, but it was really cool. And right before we went there, we actually passed through the biggest temple I've ever seen. Um, right in the middle of Kobe is this giant, like, humongous vermilion shrine. Mm -hmm. um, and there's kind of a clearing where you see a koi pond and some manicured gardens and then um, a, a temple and uh, just an area where there's all these little tiny slabs of wood that are tied up to a big fence. Um, there's also a bunch of things tied to trees, like little strips of paper. Mike was telling us that how that works is... Um, when you walk up to some of these shrines, you're able to give a donation, and in turn, you get a fortune of some sort. I'm mm -hmm. sure that's not what it's called, but you get this piece of paper that basically describes what your next, like, amount of time will be like. And sometimes people get bad ones, and, and I said, well, what happens when you get a bad one? And he said, oh, well, you have to get rid of it. So what people do is they try and tie it to something um in a in a nice place to get rid of it so you can see just all these strips of paper tied to tree branches you know at like eye level or higher and it's interesting because they're they're just kind of hanging out there and you can tell some of them have been there for i don't know weeks or months maybe i mean i guess until they disintegrate they're just going to hang out there right i guess so but it is really interesting um i was really tempted to get one but i don't think i would know what exactly it said but man that that was very intriguing so anyway maybe next time i suppose so we set off again after after buying a million things at tokyo hands and then um tried to find chinatown which we heard was in the general area and after walking like a million miles back and forth through these covered streets and looking for it looking for it we realized that we had already walked directly through it I yeah. think <laughs> it's harder to tell when you don't speak any of the languages <laughs> to tell where you are. And then I was like, you know, that that type on these signs look a little bit more, a little bit more flary. 
Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the funny thing is, is that kanji is originated in China, didn't it? And then um, Japan adopted some of it, and then yeah. So they're, I think they're pretty similar. I mean, I think they're almost the same. But the, in some the way they were written in Chinatown compared to the other places, you could tell there was a little bit of difference. But it's kind of it. It. I mean, it's probably like uh, someone who doesn't speak or know any Roman letters looking at the difference between like English and Russian or something. Where oh, maybe yeah. To them, it's. They kind of look similar to us. It's clearly different. Well, obviously, we are <laughs> poorly um, equipped to differentiate between signage, but but it was interesting, though. I, I mean, we we felt like a like a a distinct difference in the way that the stalls were set up and things like that. And there was lots of different things, like big big like areas that were um, I don't know, more like a warehouse kind of feeling. Some things that were like in bags that had um like some of those framed pieces we saw lots of like original artwork Mm. in boxes just on the floor that you can kind of pick through almost like a like a um you know sometimes in a resale shop you kind of have to find the gems in there you know kind of like that Mm -hmm. so we went through a bunch of those and it's been a lot of shopping i think mostly it's not really buying but just kind of looking and i think every every single place that we see it's just really interesting stuff i mean you really can't describe all of it but you you can kind of just imagine vendor after vendor down a covered street with different types of things and all the smells and all the sights and people looking and it's i mean it's you feel like totally conspicuous because you're standing there kind of gawking at you're like wow what is this and what is this and everybody's trying to get past you and you know but it was really interesting. So we were looking at the time right around then, and we said, "Oh man, if we want to get anywhere, we got to make it down to um, the what was called Harborland, and then back up to the mountain, right?" Because we were thinking, "Why not?" We we should yeah. Just... Well, we were pretty close to Harborland, which is just a district in Kobe on the harbor. Yeah. And so we're like, "Let's just go there because we're close, and then let's go back up to the mountain area." And we didn't know what it was, and of course we we took the train down there. We got off and we walked around, and it was interesting because you get, of course, you get turned around a little bit. So we're walking over these foot bridges, you know, that pass over uh, busy streets, and you can see from up there how close you are to the ocean, and you can see like large ships, and you can see a Ferris wheel, and you can see like big funny structures, not even funny, but interesting structures, just kind of all over the place and then you come back down to street level and then you're just as confused as where you were yeah well the street level it's funny because you know harbor land's kind of a destination there's like a kind of a i don't know if it's an amusement park but kind of a it's kind of like if you've ever been to the mall of america and you and you can go to underwater adventures or something yeah. like that but or if it's kind of like or the science museum i know that like four people listening yeah. to this probably well, I'm sure they can imagine what that might be like but it's like a children's museum is basically what it is yeah. over there and it's on Panman. on Panman. and so chris and like all the tiny children were walking down the sidewalk yelling on Panman together in unison well they have like all these on Panman statues and like stones in the sidewalk so as you're getting close to harbor land i don't remember where i learned who on Panman was maybe mike told me about it but I recognized him, and then I said, I'm Panaman! And then we were walking next to a baby in a stroller who <laughs> said it at the exact same time because he saw the same statue. So then we were like, oh, you guys like this. And then me and Kid looked at each other, and then we winked. 
You did? You winked with your mouth open like that? Yeah. Yeah. Anpanman and all that stuff was there, but when you get off the train, there is this area of buildings and businesses and bars. They're all closed down. They're all closed, but they're built under the train tracks, and it is like some weird movie set. Yeah. Of this, like, pile of near post-apocalyptic... <laughs> Like tiny just bars tiny things like crammed under a train thing. Yeah. But they look like they were, some of the things look like they were like 50 years old. Yeah. Well, there's like a broom leaning up against like a half of a doorway and then like there's plastic for windows and in there you can see that there is a bar set up and you can see a couple stools and stuff. But I mean, for all you can tell, it's, it's like a million years old and it's been vacant for like... Yeah, I couldn't tell what was going on. But I'm sure... But we wa- we're walking past them. There are living as far plants as, and pots, like, right underneath yeah, there. Yeah, as far as we could tell, though, we were just trying to get across it, and it was just like you couldn't. No. We found out on the way back that there was an entire, like, city underneath the ground as well. But I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's where you saw your cat butt skateboard thing. Oh, shoot. I did see that. Now I wish that I bought that. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was a cat riding a skateboard. Um... You can see his butt, and that's about all that there is to say about it that. It said something really funny, too. Something about going faster. Yeah, it was going fast. The cat was going fast on a skateboard, as it should. But the the real way was to go right out of the train station into this little underground city that would walk you right to Anpan Land and all of the all of the Harborland stuff. But we tried to go above ground, and it's just a giant spaghetti of train tracks and roads and pedestrian bridges but they really kind of like loop around and stuff we ended up eventually finding that ferris wheel that we saw got on that and rode that around for a while which was actually really cool i think we saw a couple giant i don't even know what kind of boat that was like a huge ship yeah just some huge um it seemed like a industrial kind of like freighter ship or something yeah it's funny because it looked like a classic looking kind of ship you know it was, mm-hmm. like, red and black and white, and it was just really beautiful, and then... There was also a lot of, kind of, pleasure ships, probably, like, nighttime cruises and stuff that were heading out, because Harbor Land is pretty nice, and it has lots of harbor stuff, and it's got... It's got cool architecture It's got Kobe there. Tower, which is a very recognizable structure, like, right on the right on the shoreline. And then there was all these teenage Japanese girls who were taking selfies everywhere and everywhere also turning on boom boxes and then filming themselves doing dances yeah that was really interesting <laughs> we were like where are we well it was it was really confusing because we were you know we've been really careful not to take pictures of people because what did we learn chris that when you take a picture of a person it's the person it's a, the yeah, person that's in the photo in that japanese owns... law that the person in the photo owns the photo yeah so we we're like oh well we want to be considerate and not take pictures of people but man is it hard when you got people trying to do dances in front of you you know it's like a whole team of them like eight or nine of them doing a choreography dance for themselves yeah just in the middle of a dock for no reason (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was pretty good and actually you know sometimes when you're like getting into watching somebody dance and you realize that you're like jerking your head around a little bit noticed you were doing that chris yeah yeah so anyway it's hard not to want to dance but we ended up actually getting getting out of there. Um, we went over to um, back on the train, and we were like, all right, well, if we're going to get anywhere, if we're going to get up this mountain to go see this tea garden that we've heard so much about, got to get back on the train. And ended up 
for whatever reason, I don't know why it took us so long, but by the time we got there, it was closed. Remember that? We were pretty far away. Harborland was pretty far away, and it was also right around rush hour. I was bummed, though, because I was wanted to eat some weird tea from some random place, but I suppose I can get tea somewhere else. But what we did do, though, is we decided, what the heck, we should go way far out there and take the rapid train back to Osaka. Yeah. And we should find some some karaoke. So we, we were like, all right, we're going to go there. We're going to go find a place to sing, and that'll be great. We've got to do that for sure. And so we rode the train all the way back to Osaka, got off, and for whatever reason, why were you so crabby? Because it was rush hour, and we stood, because it was rush, it was like, if you've ever heard of the Japanese phenomenon of like pushing people on a train to make them fit, it was pretty much that. Where what? No way. It was that, yeah, it was. We were like standing... Oh, we were. I yeah, do remember yeah, now. Yeah, in everyone's armpits. Well, I was specifically was standing in everybody's Lindsay armpits. Lindsay was, I was holding on to the ceiling, and then Lindsay was holding on to me, because there was literally not an inch you could move. And everyone pretends like it's not happening, and like stares off into space, but we're all like <laughs> touching each other's faces, or they're touching my nipples, because they're <laughs> not quite as tall as me, and I'm just standing there. And Well, you got all of that. Um, atmosphere up there that you can breathe though so you must be feeling okay well and then yeah so we did that and I became exhausted and I we had been out since like really early and now it was like seven or eight and I was just tired from yeah but I was energized because I was like woo wee we're off of this weird train I can stop hugging all these passengers and then by that point Osaka becomes like an incredible mass of people too so then we got off the train into a throng of people who were just like marveling at all the crabs yeah slowly shuffling along and i was like oh my god i'm get out of my way i'm gonna plow (laughs) plow (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know i was having a good time i was super hungry and you know we had seen all these great like takoyaki is that what it is um i think so i yeah, the, the, octopus the octopus balls. balls that we had seen, like um, okonomiyaki, which is like a big pancake full of stuff. Like um, It's like a weird omelet pancake thing. And then a bunch of other things. People just making stuff on the street. And I was super hungry. And I was like, all right, Chris, get in a good mood so we can eat all the food. But he was not having it. And eventually, eventually, we said, okay, we'll eat later. We'll go sing first. And we had our first experience um, where it was a little hard to, for whatever reason, explain that we would like a room for two people to you, sing karaoke you'd in. think if you walk into a karaoke place and say, ni, which means two, and karaoke or karaoke. Which is the pro- probably the more proper way to say Somewhat more pronun- right pronunciation. That... Someone could infer that these two people would like karaoke. However, it did not happen. No, because he was very later confused. on we found out, of course, that that's not how that works, right? So what no, is... I don't know why. I don't. I don't know why. It worked at the second place. Oh well, there's all sorts of weird. You know, like when you yeah, the number two is different than like if you say two people, like two and... people or two or yeah, or like there's some just some different difference of having to explain how many twos twos of what that you want and we just were cavemen and just yelling things at <laughs> yes so anyway we didn't we we 
failed, we failed at procuring a karaoke room. We and failed. then we left even more defeated and angry than we came. However, we did walk down an alley where there were a ton of little kind of like carts of food. And we sat down at a place that was doing tempura. And a, a Chris went up and he ordered a bunch of stuff. And the guy there was so nice. So nice. And he said, oh, can I take a picture of you guys? And we were like, what? Sure. And so he took a picture of us, and then we struck up a conversation. And this guy had gone to school in New York um, and had just moved back and was asking us how we like the city and all that kind of stuff. And it was awesome. So he had originally grown up here in Osaka, right? Uh, yeah, well, he lived in Hawaii, too, I think. Oh, well, then maybe he, he was all, all over, over the place. Yeah. And so, but he was super nice. And then Chris's, like, dark cloud left after a while. But not before we had eaten much street food. And I believe Chris even got a, a slightly raw takoyaki yep, it was, to enjoy. Uh, the takoyaki was probably not cooked because it was gooey and uh, liquidy on the inside. However, I'm into that. So I was all about it. So even if... and I, I was like, I don't think these are cooked. And Lindsay's like, I'm sure they're cooked. They wouldn't have given them to us if it wasn't cooked. And then she was eating them and I was eating them. And then we asked Mike and Ruth when we got home, we we're like, are they supposed to be like gooey? And they're supposed to be like the consistency of a corn dog or something. Mm-hmm. Which I knew because we'd had them before. But for some reason, these, I was like, maybe these are like a special gooey version. Yeah, it's like a gusher. It was like a gusher, an octopus gusher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was good. Yeah. But it was it was awesome. It was really good street food. And then we were like, all right, let's try number two. We cannot leave without singing a bunch of songs. So we wandered into a side alley where we found our second karaoke place and walked in and took an elevator up to like the fourth floor. And we said, ni karaoke. And the lady went, yeah, sure. Well... <laughs> go ahead here's your room also what kind of drinks would you like and then we were like oh yeah so we ended up getting a fancy room that was lined with couches with some really expensive mango juice with some really expensive mango (sighs) juice and there was a big tv and a giant speaker system and then we shut the door and then you know like the private eye doors where it's got the little um see-through door you know like window yeah it's it was one of those and then you know it's just me and chris and you know we can sing to ourselves anytime but it took about three seconds for us to just forget that we're in a weird room and just realize how awesome it was to sing alongside these really bizarre videos that were playing. Yeah just stock footage of of just like random horse carriage rides through like Pittsburgh or something. (laughs) It was really good. So we sang like every single like. So we rented the room for an hour and then ended up staying for two hours at least two hours yeah yeah well it was it was incredible i mean it was like the best thing ever and it was awesome and we got to wear the slippers and we were drinking our mango juice and then some weirdos would like walk by and then and you could totally hear everyone else singing so they could hear you at least from the hallway so when the music would die down you could hear other people wailing away in some other room somewhere and that was great it was just added to the ambiance so i would do it again Anytime. Um, yeah. The, the other thing I was going to say, though, it was actually surprisingly hard to get a karaoke room here, too. Just that it was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Which is, I thought that everyone would have done this, so when we came in, they wouldn't be that surprised. But they did not have anything in English. And so we were just like, uh, this. And then they gave us the room, 
but all the directions were in Japanese. Oh yeah. So we picked up the, like this little computer pad that you pick your next song, but it was all in Japanese, and and had a bazillion buttons on it, and so we actually spent the first fifteen minutes trying to figure that out. But once we figured that out, <laughs> then we found all the Missy we Elliott yeah, songs. Yeah, and then Lindsay found Missy Elliott, and then we tried to rap and was like, "Oh wait, I'm good at that." Did you know that? We should have recorded that for everyone. Mm. Mm. So, but it was amazing. And then we were like, oh, crap. It's 1130 and all the trains shut down at 12. We need to get out right now. So Chris and I ran. We paid for our stuff. And then we ran all the way down. And we get out to that street where there were throngs of people. Yeah. But then there were negative throngs of people. And there were... No people on the street. And they and were all packing up the every like, door and seats and everything was, that was shut. Out there. All the lights were out. It was like something had happened, and that we were the only humans left on the planet. And I was like, "Man, they don't fool around here. When it's closing time, it is done." But this is—it's like if you can imagine Times Square shutting down for a second, and then at you're 1130. like, "Yeah, like at eleven thirty, and then you're like, "What?" Like, how is this possible? Because, you know, you're used to, if, if, like, bar time closes at 2 or something like that, you would think people would have open hours. But it was it was empty. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, crap. And we pulled out. Of course, Chris's phone is dying. My phone is dying. We've been gone for, like, hundreds of hours now. A million hours. <laughs> we're, like, our backs hurt and our feet hurt. And we're looking at our weird compass. And we're trying to get back to, like, the train station. But, of course, you know... We've got two train passes. We have the JR pass, and then we have, like, this other random card that we use to get this around. It works on everything else. Yeah, but the trick is to get back to the one that's free, which is the JR one. So we're using the compass. We're trying to go places. We find our way to some random place because Google Maps was leading us in a weird direction. It totally wasn't the place we needed to be. Got back on. We're, like, ten minutes away from missing the very last train of the night. Otherwise, we're stuck in Osaka forever and we race in and catch the very last train out of town on the JR one and then it's just a sequence of like trying to beat the dominoes falling because we have to catch another train and another train and to get all the way back to to Nishinomiya which was is like the most nerve-wracking thing ever you know because it's just an like one after another train stop working, you know. Yeah. So we finally got the, on them, you know. Retired, my eyeballs are all like crusted over by now. Um, we're like, oh, we get on our last train, we get out there, and we say, okay, all we got to do is take the bus home. No, the bus stopped too. So all we have to do is take a cab home. And then the cab stopped too. Well, except there's a taxi stand right next to the bus stand, and the bus was done, so no chance for a bus. And we went to the taxi stand, and there was already like five know, businessmen standing there. There was a, probably we were like eighth or ninth in line. There was a, there was a, some some people coming home from the bars, some businessmen coming home from work or whatever. And we get in line, and we wait, for and like we a wait, half an hour. and we wait, and it was twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and nobody had come to pick up anybody. So and how I was this like, works is that the oh, first yeah. person in line gets the cab. So cab pulls up, first person in line. Of course, that makes sense, right? First person goes, gets in the cab, and then the cab takes him away. And then you got to wait and see if another cab shows up. So we're sitting here for half an hour, and, and nobody picks anybody up, not even the first person. And we're there, and we're like, there's nobody coming. We should just, how well, long does I it take I did the math, because I was like, if it takes yeah. even 15 minutes for everybody, we're going to be standing here for hours. And 
then I was like, we need to start walking because it's only getting later. And we were like, cool, adventure. So we set off walking. So we looked at our phones and then they died. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a compass and we had our, our photographic memory of a Google Maps image that we had just seen for a split second. And we thought, okay, how this will be fine. We just have to take two rights right around where this thing gets curvy and then we got to go up the hill. I think we mentioned then... before, but Mike and Ruth live on top of a mountain in Nishinomiya. <laughs> and we're at the bottom of the mountain. And we're at the bottom of the mountain. So it's a, it's like a populated mountain. It's a city mountain, but it is... But there's like wild boars and like all sorts of There's wild boars and stuff. there's all sorts of stuff. And it's, yeah, it's like a dense city mountain. Yeah. And so everything is uphill from here. And so we... Are like, all right, no big deal. We'll just remember it. Also, Mike's driven us down here a couple times. We'll remember where we're going. Hopefully, Google Maps isn't horrible. And we start walking, and there's nobody out. We are walking, we're walking, we're walking. We pass like 45 million vending machines that are the only amount of sustenance. And you know, all the while I've forgotten to drink water because we've been in populated areas and I'm nervous to, to consume beverages on the street. And so I start to turn into like the dried up SpongeBob. And then I don't know what's happening to you at the same time, but we both got blisters and we're walking and we're walking, we're walking. And I've got maybe, if I turn my phone back on, maybe I've got one piece of battery to show us where we are. We've been walking for, what, 45 minutes so far? And so we, I turn it on, peek at Google Maps for one second, and then it dies again. And so we're like, all right, well, we must get up to some place. There must be a T-intersection. I saw a T-intersection on this thing. We're walking up this mountain. We're super tired. I'm carrying my 40 pounds of stationery. And Chris has a giant backpack on. And we get up. And we bought all that crap at home. <laughs> Tokyo hands. <laughs> We're walking home with like our giant, huge anchors. And we get up to something, and I think to myself, there's got to be the 7 Eleven. Remember, there's a 7 Eleven, Chris. And we're looking around, and we're really hungry, and we're super dehydrated. And we find at the very top of this hill, after walking for a million hours, a gas station. And we walk in there, and we go, Oh, thank God. We buy a weird sandwich and noodles in it. And I don't know what you bought, but we got all these things and we asked the person, Kansagaki University or whatever it's called. Yeah. And they point in one direction and we go, thank God. And then, so we turn around, we walk, we walk backwards and we're on the right path. And finally, after one million hours and a harrowing flight up the mountain... We are here, crusty, tired, dehydrated, blister-filled. Yeah. All in all, it took about two and a half hours, I think. It's about <laughs> 3 a.m. right now. So. But it was a total adventure. Is that the kind of stuff that I think you remember, Chris? Yeah, well, it was really cool to see this whole area that we've seen a lot during the day, and even a little bit at night, because we do come home on the train or bus, or the you know ride the bus home and stuff, but seeing it like without any people around... And it, you realize that it is like a mountain, and the, even though there are buildings everywhere, it still is like dark. And yeah, well, it was des- great. We desolate. saw that, um, you know, Kansagaki, uh has a crescent moon for a symbol. 
And of course, as we're walking, the only thing we had to stare at tonight was was a moon. Yeah. And so it was really cool. Um, and it was really neat walking past the schools that were closed. And like, every now and again, a car would pass us and we'd wave our hands thinking it was a taxi. But there was hardly anybody out. There were know? taxis, but I don't know if they go off duty or they something. They must. Everything they must wouldn't shut stop down. For us. Yeah. Well, it's just so interesting. Maybe I mean, they only pick people up from that stand. I'm sure we looked like weirdos, too, you know. So. <laughs> look like people traveling maybe yeah but it was it was definitely quite an adventure i feel like we should check our phones and see how many steps we took today except for they died yeah well when we get them i suppose we'll check we'll go look back at that and see if i got my like um does it even tell me if i burned any calories or just tell sure you, you how burned far a calorie i probably burned one or something but i did eat that noodle sandwich which was very good but yeah, who knows? Uh, I know I'm gonna feel this tomorrow. I'm sure this is gonna be pretty hard. So we'll see how it is tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Good night. Today is March 16th, and I am dead. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, and I said that I thought we were gonna feel this tomorrow. Yeah. I felt this. I'm still feeling this. I am not sure how this even happened, but today was just, I don't even know what even to call it. I feel like it started off okay, and then it just was like a weird thing in the middle, and then then it's okay, but man, I am tired. I am tired. How do you feel? Um, I don't think I'm as tired as you. I think you might be more than just tired. My sickness that I came with is leaving slowly and yours seems to be developing slowly. I don't know what I've got. I've got some weird thing. I've had like a weird kind of throat thing. Uh, I woke up just like coated in filth. Um, I'm not really, (laughs) I'm not sure what that means, but, um, but we were like, you know, when you're on vacation, right? Like some people go to vacation time just to like relax or sit on the beach and then chris and i go on vacation to walk around in the middle of the night and get lost and so i don't really feel that bad for my choices yesterday but i do feel like i should have drank more water i feel like if i've learned anything um not drinking water was a bad choice but we did get up and we went to coffee at this really cute place. I think I think a lot of the coffee houses, remember we were talking about this yesterday, but a lot of the coffee houses kind of have this European thing going on. Yeah, this one was very much like that. This one was like a French thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's European. Yeah, no, I know it's European. Okay. I know where it is. <laughs> um, but I got this, I, I pointed at something on the menu that uh, turned out to be a macaroni and cheese, and it was... Wasn't it like macaroni and cheese and crab or something? I don't know what it was, but it was incredible. We left coffee, which was great, and we said, okay, well, we got, what, a couple bucks left? Yeah, we had, like, 15, 20 bucks. 15, 20 bucks, all right, that's all we got. We heard there was another cat cafe around here. Yeah. So we should probably go to it and compare the cats. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because all cats are different and unique and special snowflakes, and so we got to go see what Nishinomiya's cats look like. As opposed to the other cats that we saw. Osaka cats, I believe. Yes. They might be different. So we went there, and there was a tiny little hole-in-the-wall place. And it was actually um, kind of like a the smallest foyer that I've ever seen. 
it was like two inches where you walk in you take your shoes off and then you walk into a second room and we had a tiny little Dixie cup of hot tea and there were these huge huge like biggest cats I've ever seen in my entire life just just like 50 pound cats just flying around everywhere what is there like 15 cats in there mm, yeah probably and they were so funny. They were so funny. And I was asking the guy, and he, he spoke a little bit of English, and I was asking him who was the brothers and who was the sisters of all the cats. Because it totally looked like they were related. Yeah. It's like somebody got a bunch of kittens and then turned it into a cat cafe. But there was another lady in there, and then there was a guy wearing a nice outfit, and um, just a bunch of giant tabby cats. Just yeah, these cats were cats. these cats were more normal. The other ones had like fluffy cats and flat face cats and stubby leg cats, and this one just had cat cats. Regular cats, regular old cats. I felt right at home. Yeah, and so we spent some time in there, but I felt like every breath I took made me want to get closer to falling asleep in my place. So we yeah. called my. It was really warm in there. It was like all front windows, and it was just like heating up as the day got warmer. We were tired and tired, and I don't know what's going on with me. And and then I was like, Chris, I can't do this. I got to take a nap. I feel like I'm going to die. And so he called Mike, who happened to be hosting a women's club. Yeah. Um, and nice, nice Mike ended up driving over during a lunch break, grabbing us. And then we went promptly upstairs and went directly to bed. Yep. I think we slept until 7. Slept pretty late, yeah. <laughs> and I think earlier that morning we were sitting around with those guys. We were like, we should definitely do conveyor belt sushi. That'd be so great. And then we were like, oh, now we're going to die. So after waking up and being groggy, I felt bad because I think they were maybe looking forward to it. And I had been looking forward to it because I wanted to see it. But I felt so crusty. We got in there and... um uh We went to this really cute place and we had to wait. We took a number um, they had a bunch of, like, quarter machines where you could buy some weird animals that are all standing backwards. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little plastic animal that was supposed to put its back towards you for some reason. And then we waited, 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 and we got a table right at the beginning of the conveyor belt. And so we got prime seats for picking all the best sushi yeah, out there. Yeah, we got to snipe all of it before it got out. We did. We sniped all the sushi. And I, of course, have a stomach that's, like, the size of, like, a, I don't even know what, like a... Like a Raisin. Like a raisin. So I ate like a piece of a sushi. But um, all four of us got to eat for like 30 bucks. I think it was even, yeah, it was like $8 a person, I think. It was ridiculous. I can't yeah, even so believe how cheap that was. And no tipping. I mean, no tipping. So it was literally. An amazing sushi. I think it was $28 when it was all said and done. And we ate as much sushi as we could handle. Yeah. And then some because we couldn't even finish all we took because you'd take it and it would have two or three on it and we wouldn't even be able to eat them all. What they do is they charge you per plate. So there's a plate with like two pieces of sushi on it and you just grab them off the conveyor belt and then they count your plates. But it's like 100 yen. And then the special ones are like, and that's like less than a dollar. It's like 80 cents. It was so awesome. It was, they were just coming out and we were grabbing them, all the different ones. They were, Mike was getting the scallops and I got all the egg ones and there was like little custard things and some tempura ones and yeah. you know like all these different things. And you could get other stuff too. There was like a computer screen and if you didn't see the one coming by you can enter in something you do want to see and then they'd come out and it would have like your colored little tray on it for your table and then you can just take it off. 
So you'd see some come past and you'd be like, oh, I want that one. And then they'd be like, no, 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 that one's for a different table, you can tell, because of like this weird ashtray-looking thing that it was riding on. It also blinks when yours is up. So it makes like a funny, melodious... Um, like a little song? little song, and then your thing like blinks around so that you know. But it was really cool. It was really nice actually hanging out with those guys. I, I really enjoyed it. It was every now and again, you know, Chris and I are on our, on our own, and so we're having a lot of meals where we're just asking each other, like, did we do that right? Is this okay? But, you know, Mike and Ruth know what they're doing. And that's extra fun because they end up kind of exposing us to things that we didn't know about. And of course, we've learned a lot since we were here. But yeah. but it was really cool. It was really cool. And she would order certain things. And she'd read them off the menu. And stuff would, really cool stuff would come by. And yeah. That was really awesome. Yeah, and it was cheap. And I am sad in the fact that there is none of these by our house. I know. And, well, that, and it's so much more expensive. Yeah, which is crazy. I don't even know how that happens. But the place was packed, and I mean, I mean, for good reason. It was a good place to go. Yeah. But it was really neat, and so that's about all I could handle for today. I am totally done. I feel like if I want to be a functional human being tomorrow, did you did you hear what I said? Human being. Human being. Yeah. Um. Then I <laughs> then I need to go to bed. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll be back at it tomorrow, and we'll we'll be doing cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll go somewhere exotic tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe we'll take the bullet train. Maybe we will. Today is Thursday, March 17th, and we're sitting here at the bullet train station waiting for our car at 15.50 p.m. Yeah, we're in Himeji. And we've just taken the most extravagant tour led by a really cute old Japanese lady who gave us the biggest, longest, most awesome explanation of all the history in Himeji Castle and the surrounding gardens and things. I think it's the biggest castle in Japan, and it's the oldest one that's made entirely of wood. And we went there via the bullet train this morning, and uh, we were just planning to walk around it and look around, but when we entered, a woman came up to me and said, "Uh, where are you from? And I said, America. And then she said... And then she showed me something on a piece of paper and said, and showed me some history about the castle and then said, may I come with you and practice my English? And then I said, okay. And she wasn't just some random woman. She had like a blue vest on, so she worked there, but she, she was eager to practice her English. So she came with us and then she's like, are you here with the group? And I said, no, I'm here with my wife and pointed at Lindsay and then. Lindsay didn't know I was pointing at her, and then all of a sudden this woman accompanied us with us for the next hour? I don't know. Yeah. A long time. It was great. Well, she she pointed out some of the stuff I don't think we never or we ever would have gotten any um, context for, so we were standing in front of a lot of these old tiles that over the years had been replaced and uh, rehabbed, and just recently in 2015 they completed like the last renovations of um, what happens to be like a 50-year cycle of fixing Himeji Castle. And so all of the walls are made out of this limestone plaster. Um, the floors are wood, the beams are wood. Uh, there are all these really great like old tiles with stamps in them all over the sides of the roof. And as you walk through it, um, you can feel the breeze coming through these tiny little slats. Uh, they're all different shapes and sizes, circles, triangles, squares. Um, and of course those were used for shooting out arrows and bullets <laughs> at yeah. uh, encroaching armies so 
She gave us a lot of context, and we stood in front of a lot of these, like, big ceramic tiles, each that each had the specific crest of one of the families that had built or renovated parts of the castle over time. And what was most interesting about that was she discussed kind of the big periods where things switched over and things were added. She told us a couple stories about the surrounding gardens, and one in particular kind of stuck with us. Uh, as we were leading up to the third or the fourth floor, she would she would stop and she'd show us these tiny little crawl spaces where warriors would hide and then pop out at different times to get uh, you know get different people if need be as they were invading the castle. Um, but one of the windows that overlooked a piece of the garden had a tiny well there, and she told us the story about how a long time ago one of the lords uh, of the land was about fifteen years old, and uh, one of his advisors or something like that um was very jealous and was not very happy that this 15 year old was uh, in charge of the land and so he everybody in in the court thought for sure something was going to happen it's loud isn't it Continue, yeah. Okay, and so everybody in the court thought for sure something would happen, and that the advisor was surely plotting against the lord. And so um, the right-hand man of the lord decided to go and um, do a little bit of what is it? It's not espionage. It's kind of. And yeah. so he sent over um, the his girlfriend, yeah, uh, to be a servant of of the advisor and he said okay go and figure out as much as you possibly can about what's happening and see if there are really truly any weird uh conspiracies happening over here to kill him so she went and she overheard the advisor talking about his plans and went back and of course um told the right hand man and said yes of course he is trying to kill him we should do something about it and then the right hand man swiftly carried the lord to safety um, but the advisor, really mad that um, his plans had been foiled, decided to take out his revenge upon the the, um, the girlfriend. And so he ended up torturing her and throwing her down that well we were staring at. And as we're sitting there, we're looking and thinking, like, that's super creepy. So I guess in every night, every single night as they were, they were cleaning the plates in the kitchen, when they got to number eight and number nine, all of a sudden they'd hear her wailing from the well and it happened again and again and again forever until um, they decided to to take her body up from in the well and bring her up to the surface again and then it never happened again well they made her a shrine and then it never happened again oh yeah so um but we were like oh that's super creepy (laughs) we're standing there at this little old lady she's telling us all these stories and we're like ah so we got up to the top and got up to the top um, and she points out the two giant beams that hold Meiji Castle together that are completely made out of these solid massive pieces of of wood one of which is one of the original uh, structural pieces that holds up the entire castle and the other one was replaced back in the day with two smaller pieces and what's really interesting about a lot of the history is that as we've talked to people things that happen that seem like a big mistake or things that happen that might have been a a disappointment always seem to have this like um 
sort of karmic uh, justice, theoretical justice that happened. So, for example, when they realized that Himeji Castle was sinking on one side, they decided to replace one of the big pillars. Can you hear this beautiful music? <laughs> this is the music that plays every time a new train comes by. So the train is going to stop. As you can hear, it's a very pleasant person telling us all about the next train. So, I'll just wait. So, um, as they were talking about this pillar, as it, as the guide was telling us, she said, you know, they looked all over the land. They wanted one from Japan. So they were looking for the biggest tree that could actually support this. And, of course, it was something ridiculous, like 30 meters t- tall or something. Some huge... Yeah, it's like a six-story castle. And so they, they were looking for a tree that could possibly be as, as tall and as round as the other pillar. That's a really ancient one from the 1300s. And they couldn't find one for the longest time and they finally found one and as as they were bringing it up to the castle they dropped it and the top snapped off and I said oh no what a disappointment they finally found one and she looked at me and she said no no they they realized that maybe back in the day they were sad but then the the new uh carpenters thought for sure the reason why that happened was that you know the gods made it be that that it was meant to be two pieces and so they finally found two pieces of fur and they joined it together and that was or two pieces of of wood and they joined it together and that was how it was supposed to be um the kind of uh circle was that when the building was originally built it was two pieces so they were gonna So they were going to, um, so they were going to replace it with. <laughs> she was like yelling. Uh, okay. Is this one ours? Uh, yeah. So what she was saying was, it had originally been two pieces, and then uh, when they tried to replace it with a full one, it ended up breaking. So it ended up being exactly like it had originally been, and it was meant to be that way. Oh, okay. Well, I hadn't read that part. Yeah, I think she skipped part that where it had been two already that's why she was like it's okay because that's the way it was meant to be and i was like oh good then (laughs) it was really good attitude to have it was awesome and we finally saw some of the secrets that were in there too so up at the very top they had taken out all of the the knots in the wood they cut the knots out of the wood this is our train but we'll resume shortly inside the train It's Friday, March 18th, and we're sitting on the top of Mount Misen. Mount Misen. Um, there's a manicured garden to our right, and there are a panel of windows that overlook the inland sea, where across the bay we can see Hiroshima city area, um, uh, Shoko Center, and some other really interesting tiny islands. There are some boats that are ferrying themselves back and forth across the um, the sea and there's a heavy mist 
that fell upon all the different mountain peaks. Um, from here, you can see almost some strange bluish purple shades of color, uh, but everything is, is a little misty today and um, maybe about 50 degrees. We woke up really early this morning, um, and to tell you how we got here, I think we left off on the train last night, but uh, we had a kind of a tumultuous journey from train to train to train on the bullet train and then another train and Chris lost his hat and um, slowly but surely we made our way right around dark to Miyajima Island which we've heard a lot about because of their um, really friendly population of deer but also there's some really interesting nature parks and nature walks up here so and tons and tons of temples and shrines. Tons of them. Um, Including the most famous one in all of Japan. And now I don't remember the name, but it... It's the Miyajima Floating Tori. Miyajima Floating Tori. Mm -hmm. And so it is a vermilion shrine that is probably 20 yards outside of the water. Uh, during high tide, it looks like the Tori is just floating out there. But we came in at dusk, and so the sky was like a very bright cobalt blue and there were lights shining on the Tori, so it reflected sort of a greenish uh, tinge to the water. But all around us, there were probably about half-sized deer. I think the deer over here are, are tiny compared to the ones in the Midwest. And so it was really adorable walking in, and they all greeted you looking for different handouts or food. Or um, They were just ridiculously friendly. Yeah, they just walk up to you, and you can touch them if you want, or um, they're totally not shy. And in fact, they... We were sitting on the beach, and I was trying to take some photos of the Tori, and one kept, he, we were surrounded by a couple because they saw us sit down, and then they came over and were saying hi and trying to get food or something, and then he just, like, stuck his head under the flap of my backpack and tried to get inside, and then I, his head was, like, stuck in my backpack, and I was, like, pushing him away with one hand and taking a photo with the other hand. It was really cute. I'm sure that... Um you know, being wild animals on an island, they probably interact with humans quite often. And so Chris and I are being careful not to feed them, of course, and um, not to get too close. I, I always feel bad because it's, you really want to pet them, you know, and you never get a chance to be this close to deer. But I also know they, they live here. And so as wild animals, you have to have sort of a distance between you and the and I guess the, the wilderness, but it is very, very interesting as we're walking up some of these pathways and on our trek up here to the very top of the mountain today, we saw a couple just hiding from the rain, um, bedded down on a, on like a uh, really kind of squishy area of fallen pine needles and um, in the manicured gardens up here. And it was just so cute. I mean, they're just so cute. There's some little babies that are going around and um, with their mothers and just kind of puttering around slowly, you know, it's adorable. The town also is famous for those tiny little maple leaves that are um, filled with different things like red bean and custard and chocolate. They're really cute and a lot of the vendors over here have different flavors and different kinds and so we picked up a handful of those this morning as we uh, set out on our journey and ate them for breakfast. It's been really nice getting out of the cities. I think we spent a lot of time on trains, and we had to take a ferry over here last night to get to the island. Of course, it's, I mean, it's, it is maybe a 10-minute um, ferry ride here. Yeah, it's quick. And uh, it was great. I mean, we passed a couple different things that I think Chris either thought they were um, 
nets to uh, catch fish or maybe seaweed farms. Yeah, they're either seaweed fields or um, fish nets, I can't tell. And we're sitting on the very top of this mountain looking out over the bay right now, and and you can see them. They're little tiny kind of dash marks in the sea, uh, just kind of floating out there, you know, almost like a little grid. Just, I mean, just like a farm. You know, yeah, it's, it's arranged like a farm in kind of like these um, rows. Look at all those boats, Chris. Yeah. There's maybe five or six or seven different giant boats out there. I wonder if those are fishing those boats. Those are probably probably fishing boats. Yeah. Well, it they're, is... probably, they're kind of like going all scattered directions. Yeah, that's really interesting. But we did, um, we did really enjoy kind of getting out here. So we've heard... Somewhere on the island, there are, are macaques, and macaques are those really kind of silly monkeys. Um, over in a different part of Japan, there are some that uh, are famously known as like the the onsen monkeys, and they're uh, up on the top of kind of near the north. And so, in the winter, they bathe in the in the hot onsens, and they are in the natural spring pools uh, to stay warm. And so. There's another kind of macaque that might be on this island, and we're waiting to see if we stumble upon them today. There's a nature preserve on the other side of the island that I think we'll walk to maybe in about a half an hour or so just to see what it's like. But it really has been a great break from kind of the hustle and bustle and the crowds and the people. Um, the only thing that seems to be here are the deer and a bunch of children. A bunch of screaming children. Screaming children? Oh, last night they were. I guess now it's like teenage children. Yeah, they're not screaming, they're laughing. Well, but, last night they were just like, there was like 30 little tiny six-year-olds just running around and Oh, yeah, I don't everywhere. know where they came from, but that was pretty funny. They were having a really good time. Uh, the deer didn't seem to care either. But, you know what we did stumble upon last night that was really cool, and maybe we'll clip in some of the sound from this, but um, there's a huge temple here, a huge Buddhist temple right on the edge of the ocean, right near the Tori. It's like known as the Pier Temple. I don't know what the official name is, but it's it's basically a temple that's built on a pier because when the tide comes in, it's basically entirely over the water. It's really beautiful. And again, it's that same vermilion orange. And so um, it was probably about 7.30 p.m. last night, and we saw a bunch of monks walk down um, onto the pier and stand uh, kind of side by side with their heads bowed for a second and... Over the course of maybe about a half an hour or so, we watched an entire ceremony happen, um, including some really beautiful flute music. Um, and I felt bad because there were people that had obviously just come to visit the island that were kind of giggling and shuffling their feet, and I just wanted them all to be quiet, you know? Yeah, well, we were a lot closer than the monks. The The temple, this was this was a very serious um, procession. You know, procession or something. It was not open to the public. You could see them because, you know, the temples here are all open-walled, so you can see right through them. Um, but the gates were shut and things, so nobody could get inside. So you could see them from kind of 
across the water. So I have a feeling we heard those people a lot more than they heard those people. But you think so? Yeah, but I, I, yeah, probably. But and they're probably pretty good at blocking everything out because it is a, a busy place. There's people coming in on the ferries and walking around. Um, yeah, it's very peaceful. I really enjoyed watching it, and then. Um, you know, and then we ended up deciding to get a hotel last night, and that way we didn't have to kind of ride the train back and forth. And so we stayed in a hotel last night that um, was unlike anything I've ever stayed in before. But it was a traditional, uh, what is it called? Uh, something with an R. Uh, Ryoken or something like that? We should check to make sure that that's the right word. But um, it had uh, straw mats on the floor, and it had rice paper... Uh, sliding, yeah, t- sliding I believe they're tatami mats. And then we um, slept on futons last night, and futon, futons. <laughs> All right, uh, and um, it was interesting because uh, they had a short little tiny table and chairs on the ground with pillows on them, and um, down in the very basement of the hotel, there was an onsen, and so. Um, we've read a lot about them and I guess there's a lot of natural hot springs here in Japan and it's a big part of the culture but um, if you have tattoos you have to really be careful uh, not to to have any um, I don't know not to make yourself look like a like a jerk or whatever uh, but a lot of the places really don't want um, you to show off your tattoos a lot of them just outright ban tattoos yeah which is hard if you've got a bunch of them like we do and so um the guy at the counter was very nice and he pulled out an envelope of these kind of um flesh tone temporary tattoos yeah these huge and they're they're probably like i don't know six and a half inches by five inches or so just a big square and he hands me one, and I said, oh, thank you. Can I have three of them? And then I was sitting there looking at him thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't even think three is going to I know. Come. You should have taken, like, five. I should have taken, like, five. So so last night as I was And sitting I didn't there, even bother because I have them all over my chest, which is, like. Coated in hair? Coated in hair and probably, like, I don't know, 25 inches wide or yeah, something. Yeah, that would have been really awkward. <laughs> we would have put these temporary tattoos in your chest hair, and that would have been the grossest thing ever. And then I would ever. have to cover my arms and stuff. I probably would have needed, like. At least nine, nine or, or seven. Yeah. Yeah. So I got three of them, and then I had to be pretty interesting with them. So here I am ripping them up into little pieces, trying to cover bits and pieces. But it looks so stupid. You can see halfway through them. Yeah, you can for, see through them. Yeah, you can. I mean, but I mean, you want to. In the dark, you probably come. <laughs> it wasn't that dark in there? But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to cover them up because again, it's a, a social faux pas to go and and show off your tattoos, and I've got them all over the place. So I'm sitting here sticking these flesh-colored uh, temporary tattoos on top of my real ones, and little edges of my tattoos are peeking out of the sides of this giant, big, peach-colored square. It's not even a very convincing um, flesh color, but I'm sitting there ripping little shreds off of it and trying to patch it together, and so I've got this weird, sticky, crackly, puzzle-looking, really gross-looking kind of sticky temporary tattoos all over myself now, and they're really itchy. I'm just really glad I don't have super hairy um, uh, upper arms or something like that. But uh, it w- it was very interesting. But what you did is you came to the hotel, and the traditional dress there is... Um, I forgot what the name of it is called. I believe it's the ukata. Ukata? <laughs> they gave you these robes, and they are long, kind of floor, nearly floor length. They kind of come to your ankles, but they're similar to kimonos, but they're more of a... 
less short fancy thing. Version. They're they're like a short sleeve uh, kind of bathing version that you would wear around, you know, to the onsen. You wear it around the hotel. And I was asking because I do have like chest tattoos, and I I was asking if you had to wear them around the hotel because I could just wear my shirt and then cover up all my tattoos. And she said yes. If you're in the hotel, you wear the yukata. So you also um, wear slippers. And you wear slippers. Not in the room, but in the room you just don't wear any shoes. But in the when you leave your room or go to the bathroom, you wear slippers. Yep. And so um, anywhere, really, uh, you take your shoes off as a sign of respect and to keep the house clean, of course. And so you're wearing slippers around, and it's really nice. It's like wearing a robe. So Yeah, and it, and it actually did. It's very, It was actually much larger and covered everything very well. So it's yeah. not a problem. And uh, so I had one of those on. And um, walked down to the basement, and they had a, a men's and a women's onsen. And so, what you do is you go in there, and it's a public bathing house. And there is kind of a, a dressing area where it's sort of like a locker room, but a little bit more like a, um, you know, in an old Hollywood movie where they have those big, those like, like a big uh, countertop. And then you can kind of put your makeup on or whatever yeah, in front like of a bunch room. of mirrors. Yeah, like a dressing room. A dressing room for like a, yeah. Um, and so, but everything was really short and little tiny uh, stools. And um, there were some ladies that were fixing their hair, blow drying their hair. And, and there were a bunch of different baskets. So you put all your, your yukata in there. You put your slippers by the door. And then you walked into the second room, um, which had a sliding door. And there were tiny little wooden stools and wooden traditional looking. Um, it was like the bottom of a barrel, wooden bucket. Mm-hmm. And what you were supposed to do is fill that bucket up two or three times with water and kind of rinse yourself off and take a shower before you go into the onsen, which is probably only two feet deep. And it was a big granite or, you know, kind of hard stone uh, kind of depression in the in the floor. And out of one side was sort of a little waterfall and there was a big uh, glass area to the left where you could see this this neat like mosaic of different stones with water kind of pouring over it so it was a really nice atmosphere and there were only probably two other people in there and so I sat in there um, for I don't know 20 minutes or so but it was really warm it was really great it was like being in a in a really nice hot tub but again a lot of them are separated and you go in there um Separated men and women. Yeah, because you don't wear your clothes in there. Right. So, I mean, it's a public bath, so you're sitting there in in the nude. Except for your skin tattoos. Yeah, except for your skin tattoos. <laughs> it's probably covering a, a good, like, tenth of my body. You should have just cut out some underwear for them. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been extra awkward. And so, um, but it was it was really nice. And people, you know, just keep to themselves, of course. You're not chatting it up. Everybody's just kind of relaxing and... Um, it was really great. They had these, these like ladle, little tiny wooden, um, bucket things with a big uh, ladle handle on it. And so you can kind of pour that over yourself. And, um, it was very super relaxing in there. And so we got back out, um, and then came back up to the room and we had tea and played a game of Motainai, which is a really great game. Very thematic very thematic. Motainai is a Japanese-themed game um, about a Buddhist temple, so uh, we were in the right place and very thematic. 
It was, it was really nice. And so we spent the night there and woke up really early t- this morning, 7 in the morning. Oh, and then also we did sleep on the futons. And how that works is he was asking us, and there was several large language barriers today or yesterday. And uh, he was asking what time did we want the futons. And we are just like... And we thought he was asking what time did he want to prepare our room. And we're like, we want to go to the room right now. And then he's like, no, 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 futons. And then we're like, 8.30, because it was like 7 or 7.30 or something. And he's like, okay. And then so, you know, you're in this room and we were sitting at this little table. And then right at 8.30, there was a knock at the door. And then these two women came in. And the futons are like kept in the closet. And then they move the tables out of the way because, you know, the room is only big enough either to have the tables or to have the the futons so they moved them out of the way so then i understood that they were asking because once they put the futons down your room is dismantled dismantled and turned into a bedroom it was really funny i just poured myself like a giant pot of tea and just just sat down to drink it and they took it all away and i was like yeah they took it away and then dumped it out and then brought us empty teapots and then we're like yeah that's okay I i did it again it was really cute they were really nice and um everybody is so gracious i don't know if we weren't supposed to be there they seemed um in a hurry and nervous because we were watching them. Well, we were, yeah, standing there in our, in our... And then one girl laughed and, like, did a head wipe sweat thing to her friend. <laughs> and I think she was saying how this was very pressure because we were watching We didn't do anything. Head. We didn't yeah. really stood in the dark corner of the room. And also, just... half the room, there was sort of raised floors as you stepped in, so there was probably, like, a, a fourth of the room where I, I could not stand up fully. So I was waiting in this tiny little doorway with my head cocked to the side, and I was just like, uh, maybe I should just leave. I don't know. It was amazing. I mean, like, you know, one thing that I really appreciate about this is that all the showers have, like, a shower, um, like a movable shower wand or something like that, and you're supposed to sit on a little tiny stool in there. And then they have a bucket that you fill and then dump on you. Yeah. That's awesome. I but also the home. shower. I'm not, and then this one, I actually, well, Lindsay was in the onsen. I, I didn't even bother going down. Um, so I, they have the traditional Japanese tubs here, which are kind of a little bit shorter than American tubs, but they're much deeper, which for me is perfect because I have a hard time fitting in anyone's bathtub. So I sat in that tub and had my own onsen. Yeah, which is good. You didn't have to have sticky temporary tattoos on. But so far, so good. So we're going to see what the rest of today is going to bring. But um, we've had a great time so far. So we're going to have lunch on the very top of this mountain and then see what happens. Thanks again for listening to Japan Diaries Part 2. We've got another, I think, a third installment coming up next week and uh, some other fun stuff. Yep, at least one more. Hopefully I can cram it all in this last one. There you go. So uh, plenty of stuff to look forward to. And then if you want to get in touch with us, where can people find us, Chris? Well, you can email us at podcast at likegrayartlab.com. You can find us on Facebook. Like us there to keep up to date with upcoming events, uh, shows, and calls for art. You can find us on Twitter. We're at lightgrayartlab. You can follow us on Tumblr. We're lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. You can find us on Instagram, lightgrayartlab. And you can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly from Stitcher Radio. Thanks again, you guys, for listening today, and we'll talk with you soon.